1: Welcome to another episode of Ain't It Scary with Sean and Carrie. I'm the titular Sean. And I'm the very titular Carrie. It's the show where we talk about the unbelievable, the unexplained, the spooky, the ooky, and the bizarre, (laughs) and try to find an answer. Hello, Caroline. Uh, Hi. And Merry Christmas.
2: Merry Christmas, Sean. And happy holidays.
1: Happy Hanukkah, uh, or Hanukkah. Happy Kwanzaa. That was unnecessary. (laughs) Sometimes you see it with a ch, and I think a ch is fun. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it, uh, it just happy, all of it. But it is Christmas Eve. Uh, if you're if you're listening to this right when it came out, piping hot off the presses, um, it's Christmas Eve. It was the night before Christmas, Caroline, and all through the house, not a creature was stirring. We
2: literally had to tell Poe to shut up just to record.
1: Or was a creature stirring. (laughs) Maybe several creatures were stirring. Because today Did you
2: get me a dog? Another one?
1: Sean. I think I've taken this in a wrong direction because the expectations are now too high. Uh No. Today we will be discussing the North American Cryptid B team. Oh. Uh, maybe I should say C team, actually. I'm not sure. Um Look, you've got your big you got your big boys of cryptids, right? You we, we all know Bigfoot. We all know Nessie.
2: Personally and intimately.
1: We all know the chup- chupacabra. Oh, chupacabra. Uh El Chupacabra. Mm, oh. Oh <laughs> Mouth st- decided to stop working there. El chupacabra. Mm-hmm. Nope. <laughs> no, my mouth still isn't working. Uh we should quit at this. Uh you may even have heard of um. Actually, you know what? The B team is probably the Mothman and the Jersey Devil. Uh, so, Love those boys. Yeah, we're getting down to the uh, North American Cryptid C team today.
2: C stands for cryptid, Sean.
1: C stands for cryptid.
2: That's what my parents always told me when they were teaching me how to spell my name.
1: Uh, is that true? Mm-hmm. It explains so much.
2: C is for cryptid, A is for aliens. Mm-hmm.
1: mm-hmm. You? What? You, what is U for?
2: There's no U in my name.
1: Oh, yeah, but didn't they have to do the whole alphabet at some point?
2: Oh, yes. Um, ufology, obviously.
1: Okay, what's the R for? Rhinoceros. Okay, and that's why you love large animals of the African plain so much.
2: I do. It's a passion of mine.
1: I can't watch for our next podcast coming soon <laughs> about the large animals of the African plain.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um... Now, the interesting thing about cryptids, and you could expect this, because if there was a large animal out there that science hadn't pinned down yet, you could expect that uh, it would have a regional kind of territory it would roam around in. You're not going to see Bigfoot across the whole country. Now, people do see Bigfoot across the whole country.
2: Well, migration exists, Sean.
1: That's true. And about a third of Bigfoot sightings are all centered and clustered in the Pacific Northwest, with the other two-thirds being spread out across the country. So we can pinpoint Bigfoot to that area, right? Listen,
2: he's a cool dude. He's a hipster. He just likes to to lay back and be chill, man. Oh, he
1: th- this guy, Bigfoot, you know, he loves a uh, just a frothy nitro cold brew.
2: Mm-hmm. A um, burrito. hmm
1: mm-hmm. With French Probably fries and...
2: has dreads that are not allowed culturally, but will let it slide because it's a Bigfoot.
1: You know, a Bigfoot's hair might naturally form into dreads mm. just because of a function of his habitat and lifestyle. Mm-hmm. Um, speaking of lifestyles involving a lot of dreadlocks and, and uh, dreadlocks on white people specifically, if you go down to Florida, um, <coughs> you don't so much have the uh, Bigfoot as the skunk ape is what they'll talk about in, in Florida.
2: Because in Florida, everything smells more. <laughs>
1: yes, exactly. <laughs> and um, stories of of a large, uh, foul-smelling, Bigfoot-like hominid go back to like settler times in Florida. And um, so the skunk ape is kind of their version of the same thing. Actually, in 1974, all around Dade County, there were uh, sightings in the suburbs of a large, nude, hairy... Um, man who smelled terrible, just wandering, kind of loping through people's backyards. Like we're
2: not sure this is Alex Jones or something. Well,
1: that's the that's the thing. <laughs> to me, that immediately just sounds like Florida Man. Any a story, drunk. That, yes, <laughs> yeah. Uh, there have to be h- thousands of skunk apes in in that state. Oh yeah, um, for sure. Nonetheless, uh, there were a, a lot of sightings. A lot of bigfoot hunters, or not bigfoot hunters. Uh, a lot of skunk ape hunters out there uh, and in 1977 florida legislature went so far as to attempt to pass a uh, skunk ape protection law
2: really just to make
1: sure you weren't allowed to kill the skunk ape. who
2: presented that <laughs> for ratification
1: um some brave soul wow some true brave warrior of justice <laughs> that's
2: a real american
1: yeah uh, but even the skunk ape is more well known than what we're talking about. The, the Florida has kind of, as a state, taken the skunk ape on as an unofficial uh, mascot. You know, it, it has a lot of qualities. It's like
2: the gritty of Florida.
1: Yes, it has so many qualities that a, that like uh, Florida sees in itself, and and a gritty. Yeah, it's self sufficiency and kind of, sufficiency and kind of um, smelly. Well, I didn't say it. I'm <laughs> just saying. <laughs> <laughs> um, and even I've seen signs during the. Um, during the, during the coronavirus pandemic that's gripped our nation. During these trying times, Carrie. These
2: unprecedented times. These
1: unpredictable times. I've seen uh, signs, you know, where the skunk ape is kind of encouraging people to socially distance because of the smell associated with the skunk ape. So, so th- they make a lot of hay with, with that to this point. Mm-hmm. We're talking cryptids more today specific. that are more specific and less of a big deal than that.
2: Bring it on. All right,
1: <clears throat> I'm going to start here with the A. Um, this is probably the most Bigfoot-like creature on our list. Uh, this is the Fook Monster. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I know. Uh, this is the uh, Fook Monster. Stop. F O U K E. I'm going. <laughs> Are is you Fouke. sure Fouke. that this is how it's pronounced? Fouke. Fouke, not Falk. Fook, Arkansas.
2: That's not very nice. <laughs>
1: um i I am i am pretty sure it is fuke arkansas where this monster was found Mm
0: -hmm. Mm -hmm.
1: and this is in the uh, greater texarkana region so uh, you know texarkana is a city that's in both texas and arkansas Okay. Well, it's two cities with the same name next to each other. One's in Texas and one's in Arkansas. Um, genuinely just still
2: trying not to crack
1: up. Here in Fook, we're on the Arkansas Stop. Here on Fook, we're on the Arkansas side. Um, the legend of the Fook monster began in <laughs> when 1971. Bill
2: Clinton went to college,
1: <laughs> he was a Fook monster. Mm-hmm. This guy, Fooks. <laughs> Stupid. On May 2nd, 1971, uh, Elizabeth Ford, a resident of,
2: um... You look so serious right now, but I just want to laugh.
1: It's it's a serious topic, Caroline, because listen to what's going to happen to Elizabeth. She was sleeping on the couch. Sound familiar?
2: What is that supposed to mean? You
1: like to have a nap on the couch next to the uh, nice Oh,
2: <laughs> that sounded like some weird thing where I make you sleep on the couch. <laughs> <laughs> Marriage is great, people. Marriage is great.
1: Yeah, yeah, no, no, it's all going very well. Um, she's asleep on the couch, and through their screen window, a clawed arm covered in black fur uh, just jammed through the screen and started kind of groping through the window at her.
2: Hey, baby.
1: Now her husband and his brother were both home, and they chased the thing away, mm-hmm. chased it into the dark as they rushed into the room. The arm kind of withdrew. They uh, would pile out into the yard. They see a um shape just a sort of a, a, a vague man like shape
0: mm-hmm.
1: escaping into the woods they fired several shots at it they were sure they hit it but they never found any blood and after the creature had receded into the woods they found scratches on the porch and the windowsill and damage to the siding of the house and they look around a little more and they found a large three-toed tracks what the fuck yeah <laughs> you're an idiot <laughs> And it was only at this point that it occurred to the Fords that they had heard some noises around the house the last few nights. But they hadn't thought too much of it. They had just moved in, actually. And um, this was a new area to them. Mm-hmm. So that was um, the first incident. So now, they
2: kind of lived in, like,
1: Bumblefook? You could say that, certainly. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you're a monster. A Fook monster. Just like um, Bill Clinton in college. Don't put that evil on me. Now, later that month, on May 23rd, three witnesses claimed to have seen a similar incident. They saw what they called an ape-like creature crossing Highway 71. Um, now, that, that report hit the newspapers, and more footprints followed. Uh, more footprints and more sightings.
2: Do apes have three toes?
1: No. Okay. Uh, in fact, I'll get to that later. Okay. There was uh, th- probably the best known footprint of the Fook monster and'll uh, I'll get a, f- a photo up on the website w- along with this episode um, came from this guy named Scott Keith who was a gas station owner and he found um, prints in his soybean field he took a cast of one and and, uh, and th- that kind of became the best known Fook prints Fook print hmm <laughs> <laughs> The radio station K-A-A-Y offered a bounty for the uh, capture or killing of the Fook monster. K. Of a... I
2: don't know why I'm so silly today.
1: Hey, you see that reward? Who offered that reward? K. Sorry, what? K. You know, who offered it? K. That Johnny freaks me out. (laughs) uh posses started to gather with dogs they would head out there to, to look for this thing No, not none, a posse Yeah, none of the dogs could catch a scent though um and people even started grabbing guns and heading out there um to hunt the fook monster so people started heading out to hunt this thing and uh the miller county sheriff department actually had to instate and remember we're in Texarkana, mm-hmm. a no guns policy oh no
2: Yeah. They're taking their guns. That's
1: not going to be a popular uh, thing, but but they just were sure someone was going to shoot someone else as they were both out there looking for this monster. Yeah, just some hairy man. Yeah. And it's a bunch of hairy men looking for it. Oh, for sure.
2: That's overalls, probably. Mm
1: -hmm. In the year of 1971, three different people were fined $59 a piece for filing fraudulent quote monster reports. That's how the police plotter (laughs) uh, took took the uh, news down wow Mm -hmm.
2: i didn't know that you could go to jail for that
1: i know Uh, but so this was kind of a summer phenomenon for 1971
2: and then like the clown sightings
1: um yes yeah very much like a clown thing like it's and i think that's part of what this is is it just gets in people's imagination and then if you see a big shape you go like was that the big ape thing i heard about Mm -hmm. um so, after 1970, it was kind of a, the summer of 1971. This kind of made the town a, a local tourist attraction for, for a little bit. People were very excited about it. Um, and then interest started to wane over the following years. And uh, every now and then there would be another reported sighting of the Fook monster. But that would kind of be it.
2: Another folk scene wandering about again. Yep.
1: 1978, a kid found some more footprints and it was kind of just a shrug. The legend had run its course. Mm. Um. However, that legend does live on in the form of five different films that have been made about this, uh, this monster. Oh my goodness! Yep, uh, the Legend of Boggy Creek was a documentary-style horror oh, film.
2: Yeah, I've heard of that.
1: Released in 1972, uh, that was followed up by Return to Boggy Creek in 1977, uh, which was Creek Carter. Creek Carter, but that was not a sequel to the original, not made by the same people, and was uh-huh. to- a totally fictional plot that had nothing to do with uh, Bigfoot.
2: So it's basically Troll Two.
1: Yes, like a Troll Two situation. <laughs> uh, then. Confusingly, the third film uh, is Boggy Creek 2 and The Legend Continues. Now, that is an official sequel to the first Boggy Creek film. My God. Just in 2010, we had Boggy Creek The Legend is True, which was marketed as a remake of the original. First,
2: The Legend continued, and then it was verified as true. (laughs)
1: Yes. Um, But it turned out it was an unrelated story set in Boggy Creek, Texas, which is a fictional town. So The
2: Legend is Not true,
1: legend was not true, <laughs> and uh, finally the following year, um, we had the legacy of Boggy Creek, which was actually a low budget indie film released as the skunk ape story <laughs> and then recut like the for... Buddy
2: Holly story <laughs> mm-hmm.
1: and, and then re edited. <laughs> Gary for... Busey also played the Fook Monster. <laughs> um, Gary Busey might be the Fook Monster, <laughs> fair. Um, They then re-edited the footage they had into something they released on uh, video as the legacy of Boggy Creek. Okay. Now... So in that way, this story can live on in our imaginations forever, even though there haven't been any um, recent sightings. Now, as you pointed out, Carrie, um, within six months of the first report, an archaeologist from nearby Southern State College, that's now Southern Arkansas University... Mm -hmm. Uh, this guy named frank schombach said quote there is a 99 percent chance those tracks are a hoax Mm. and he said uh just like you carrie that couldn't have been a primate or or a hominid you know you said it looked like an ape right um it couldn't have been a primate with three toes because every primate that has ever existed has five toes
2: yeah because you know we come from them
1: <laughs> we didn't just develop two random toes that's right and and this part's might maybe a problem for some some bigfoot sightings too uh, all primates ever that we know of are uh, diurnal we awake during the day and asleep at night okay so you're not going to find an ape like typically hunting at night or whatever
2: yeah but people see them during the day and also the lady was awake you know
1: yeah, so it wasn't. It's yourself. not like it's
2: not like primates are like, Oh, sun's down, time to go to bed. Like, you know, maybe they had stuff to do, Sean.
1: You're right. I will point out she wasn't awake. She was specifically asleep. Okay.
2: The other people then.
1: <laughs> yes. Um, but so that's uh that's our guy. That's the Fook monster. And, and that's that's the legend of Boggy Creek. Um wow. you see if- Rest in power, King. What, what I've found, and the reason I wanted to do this episode and kind of compile all these stories in the same place, is you do see a um, similar plot structure. The monsters are sometimes different, but the plot structure of the way this story kind of uh, ebbs and, and, then, mm-hmm. and then flows.
2: The kind of, oh, a, a
1: vulnerable young woman was attacked and
2: the whole town goes after her. I mean, it's very every old-fashioned horror movie
1: yes but I, but i even mean what you're going to see from most of these uh, stories is a sighting happens an alleged sighting uh that's followed by a few news reports uh, some skepticism and then a few more sightings happen and then you kind of get swept up in a mass hysteria kind of thing mm-hmm. except it's a fun mass hysteria that people actually kind of like i don't think people are terrified of the fook monster no. And and so it's a fun uh, fun thing to play into, even if you're like, I may have seen the Fook Monster. <laughs> oh, you know if you've seen a Fook Monster, Sean. That may have been the case with the um, Lizard Man of Scape or Swamp. Ooh. Also known as the Lizard Man of Lee County. Oh.
0: Moving on up.
1: <laughs> now, this is in Lee County, South Carolina, specifically, um, outside of a town called Bishopville.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And uh, on July 14th, 1988, the Lee County Sheriff's Office was called out to investigate a report of a car that had been da- uh, damaged. And when they got there, uh, 17-year-old uh, Christopher Davis, presumably marched out of the house by his parents, uh, explained to mm-hmm. the officers what had happened to him, to him allegedly, two weeks before. Uh, Christopher said he was driving home from his job at a fast food joint. He was running late. It was about two hours after the restaurant had closed. And uh, he caught a flat. So no problem. He had a spare. He knew how to fix the, the car. He got out, jacked the car up, replaced the tire. He was all done fixing it. And he turned and looked across a butter bean field. And there in the <laughs> moonlight, it's, listen, it's South Carolina, baby. Know, they're, just, they're growing butter beans. Oh,
2: I'm, it's like I'm there. I smell the butter beans.
1: And he sees a creature walking towards him through the moonlight. Now Brian said it was green, wet lac, like, about seven feet tall, and had three fingers, red eyes. What's it with these three
2: finger, three toes things?
1: A skin like a lizard and, and snake like scales.
2: Uh-huh. He, uh huh.
1: He jumped back in the car, tried to drive away, and uh, said he said that the creature jumped on top of the car. He said I heard a crash on the it disappeared, and then I heard a crash on the roof. So Chris hits the brake, he hears a thump, and the and all the thumping and scratching that he heard on top of his car stops. So he's like, okay, good, I, I've kicked this thing off my car. Um, and he told this story to the sheriff, he told the story subsequently to reporters, and even the sheriff um, at the time said uh, this, he said, what impressed me was that he told the same story every time. And he had to tell the same story over and over again to the media and others. If you're lying, you can't tell the same story twice.
2: Yeah. Or you start to embellish because it's like, oh, and you know what? You're
1: like trying to keep the
2: juice in it. Exactly. Now, was the damage to the car that he was reporting to the roof?
1: Uh, There were scratches allegedly on the roof. Mm -hmm. I've never seen photographs of the damage to this car. And I feel like if the scratches were really deep and impressive looking, there would be photographs. Mm -hmm. Um, But the side view mirror was badly damaged and there were some scratches apparently. Now, Sean, Mm -hmm.
2: teenage kids who damaged their parents' car.
1: Well, a lizard man damaged the the car.
2: They never come up with outlandish stories to explain.
1: I can't think of any who would know. (laughs) Oh, is that what you're suggesting happened here? (laughs) Well, I don't know. You think Christopher made up the lizard man? I don't know. You think he, like, plowed into someone's mailbox when he was drunk and broke his dad's mirror? I
2: don't
1: know. (laughs) Okay, because that sounds crazy to me. Uh, Look... (laughs) Oh, okay. Local newspapers covered uh, the story uh, because, again, we have a credible report from this boy. Uh, local businesses started selling lizard man T-shirts. Um, Ugh, I want one. And this is where we get into the this is the old familiar story, right? Now the machine ramps up. The town's excited. It's kind of fun. Uh, the r- local radio station WCOs offered a one million dollar reward for the live capture of the lizard man.
2: Well, that's nice.
1: It's live. Yeah, I I love these because. They know there's nobody's going to bring in a lizard sure. man. <laughs> yeah. Offer all the money you want. <laughs> um, on August 5th, uh, there were more reports, uh, but most of them were just uh, not eyewitness accounts, but we saw some trees moving back there and it was something big and we think it was the thing or um, something damaged my car and I'm pretty sure it was the thing mm-hmm. or our dog is dead. So you, they're,
2: Yikes, they're... Sean. Yeah. <laughs> or our dog is dead. Our
1: dog is dead. Uh, an animal took our dog, you know.
2: Oh, um maybe I should go check on Peanut.
1: I don't think we have any lizard men.
2: No, we have melon heads.
1: Oh the shit. We got to check on Peanut. <laughs> so on August 5th, there was another pretty interesting sighting. A guy named Kenneth Orr. He was an airman. Kenneth or what? A guy named Kenneth Orr. He was an airman. And Oh, I wanted you to keep Avid and costello me. Oh. <laughs> a guy named Kenneth Orr, he was an airman. He was stationed at Shaw Air Force Base uh, nearby, and he filed a police report claiming that he had encountered the lizard man on Highway 15 uh, at night and shot and wounded it.
2: Mm. Gotta bring it in live, Kenny.
1: He presented several scales mm. and some blood as evidence.
2: And I'm sure this
1: was analyzed. Two days later, uh, as soon as Kenneth was charged with unlawfully carrying a pistol, he recanted his story. And he was then charged instead with uh, filing a false report.
2: So what were the scales in the blood? Did they test him?
1: You know, I couldn't find that, but I would assume it was just from some large lizard. There are lizards in the... Sure. I was just
2: wondering why they knew he was filing
1: a false report. Oh, because he said it was fake, because they said, oh, if you shot the lizard man and you don't have a pistol permit, then you broke the law.
2: Jesus, okay. <laughs> okay, Ken.
1: Uh, reports gradually declined at the end of the summer. Again, we're following the same storyline again, and the cops um, assumed the, those further sightings after Brian's were probably a bear, honestly.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Now, here's the first time I'm going to mention a guy who we're going to rely on a lot in this episode. Um, Because actually, the position of sober, reasonable, cryptid researcher Mm -hmm. has room for exactly one man, apparently. All right. And that guy's name is Ben Radford. uh, And he writes books. He writes articles for magazines.
2: I feel like I have a book by him somewhere.
1: I bet you do. (laughs) um he he writes right along your um uh, interests although he's a, he's a pretty skeptical guy. So, uh Ben wrote an article Listen, I married you. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> he might be your type. <laughs> uh, Keep me away from Ben. Ben wrote an article in the Fort uh, Forty Times uh where he quoted uh, First of all, he it's a whole investigation, a pretty good piece on this um fook not not the Fuch lizard man, <laughs> on this old I'm, fook. I'm com- I'm confusing all these monsters. Uh <laughs> On the lizard man of scape or swamp, but the most interesting thing that I found in there was where he quoted an Alicia Lutz, who was a student from the College of Charleston, who he talked to, who was a big lizard man buff, who was kind of conducting <laughs> her own research. Mm-hmm. And Alicia Lutz. Now this is kind of third hand. That's the only problem with it, right? We're getting it from Ben, who got it from Alicia. But at least there's names. Sure. Alicia Lutz said she talked to a Lucius Elmore. She was kind of asking around town about the lizard man and she was pointed to this guy. Lucius Elmore. Called Brother Elmore oh. by his neighbors. Okay. Uh, Brother Elmore was a butterbean farmer. Stop with the butterbeans. And he would dry his butter beans. <laughs> no. Yeah, the boxer. You know, butterbean the boxer. You just <laughs> had to keep him dry. No, yeah, he would empty all these uh butterbeans. Stop stop laughing. <laughs>
2: I'm just thinking about him drying his butter beans. Butter
1: beans is not as funny as fook, But butter beans is pretty funny. So you you have to dry them after you pick them. So he would empty them out onto a table, uh, a drying table in a drying shed, uh, kept especially dry and um, slightly cooler than the outdoors by uh, AC units. Okay. This was 1988, right? So um, AC units weren't ubiquitous yet, not even the window jobs. But he had three of them there in his shed, and so they would get stolen sometimes.
2: Ugh. Leave the man's butter beans alone.
1: Yeah, so Brother Elmore was getting pissed off, and he had, that summer of 88, taken to staying up all night, sitting in front of his drying shed, and just watching for the thieves who were coming to take his AC units.
2: Mm Mm-hmm. I think I see where this is going.
1: (laughs) And the same night that Chris saw the monster lucius elmore chased away a thief oh he walked up to the, uh, the ridge at the bottom of his property overlooking the road looked down at the car that he thought was there to take his ac units there was a kid out there changing his tire it just went he said the kid wild. looked up at him screamed got in the car and ran away
2: so what happened to the top of the car why was there damage?
1: Well, I love this. This is what makes this great and Ben Radford takes this the rest of the way. He speculates that maybe the red taillights of the car could have made Elmore's um glasses look red.
2: Yeah, I've heard something like that for the Mothman as
1: well. So that tracks for me. That makes enough sense. But here's the beautiful thing. And I didn't realize this till I read it in Radford's article, but Chris Davis's statements don't actually say he saw the monster leap onto his car roof. They say he felt something. He heard a thump. Mm-hmm. um and they don't say he saw it roll down over the hood after he pumped the brakes or anything they say he, he heard thumping and scratching on the thing and on the on the roof of the car and then when he slammed the brakes on uh they stopped mm-hmm. so he figured good it worked i can escape now um
2: were there low-hanging trees in the area or something
1: well it's a heavily wooded like swampy forest area yeah so. so just some branches scraping across the top of the car. Now he thinks there's like a monster scraping. Mm-hmm. Um, of course, that's if you don't just go with the explanation that he's a 17 year old boy who was lying because he <laughs> broke dad's car. But what a lie, Sean. It's a great one. And you know what? It, <laughs> well, it, I don't know if it's a great one, but it's a fun one. It is a great one because it gave really uh, put this this little town on the map.
2: How do you even get mad at your kid after that? It's like, I would. Wow. You you out. Crazied me. Uh.
1: (laughs) Really impressive stuff, kid. So, yeah, I love this. And then there were a few others, but there are usually variations on a theme. Not a few others. I I should mention pretty much every region of this country has a monster of its own, um, you know, forests and swamps we have the melon heads. we've covered this
2: look at washington dc am i right
1: <laughs> drain the swamp drain the swamp um here's here's something interesting that i've noticed though in the um southeast the deep southeast the swampy um river areas mm-hmm. uh you get lizard men you get gator men sure um up in the pacific northwest it's always bigfoot got to why would you why settle for anything less mm-hmm. um so it's interesting that it kind of goes with the the local wildlife, and there's a specific thing to the southeast quadrant of the United States of goat men that I don't understand.
2: Goat men? Sure,
1: you've got the goat man of Mary- Maryland, uh, you've got the Pope Lick monster. Who? The Pope Lick monster. This is... <laughs> we have a friend, Alec, who we call Lick,
2: <laughs> which is funny. Uh... Well, now he's Pope Lick, so, so show put some respect on his
1: name. The Pope Lick Monster, uh, the Goat Man of Old Elton Bridge. Oh, um, yeah. Th- these origins of these Goat Men vary by the region. So the Goat Man of Maryland was a scientist who was experimenting on goats. Until... What do
2: you see the swamp thing. Like it's... well, with, well, his
1: experiments backfired, and he was made goat-like himself.
2: <gasps> no, yeah, that's what happens.
1: But meanwhile, the goat man of the old Alton Bridge is just believed to literally be a demonic satyr.
2: Yeah, well, I was thinking, like, aren't people thinking this is some sort of weird devil creature because of the cloven hooves and horns and stuff?
1: Well, I certainly would lean devil creature and not scientist, because no matter the origin. These stories always have the goat walking on hind legs and attacking its victims with a bloody axe.
2: Yeah, obviously, Jean. He has to do something.
1: Um, and I'll also say the Pope Lick monster actually has apparently caused um, a good number of deaths and injuries uh, over the years in real life, um, but more just by encouraging dumb kids to climb up onto railroad trestles that still have trains go over them. Oh, dear. And are over a pretty high drop.
2: Ugh. Now. Do we know why these goat people uh, carry axes?
1: No! Okay. I don't know why that wrinkle. That's why it fascinates me that that detail, like the the goat man with an axe, is from Maryland to the middle of Texas. They all tell this story.
2: Now, I'm going to talk about um, a regional urban legend on one of our minisodes coming up about a bunny man now he is not a a man bunny he's wearing a bunny outfit (laughs) and i think he has an axe too i feel like that's the most threatening thing to be coming at you do you know what i mean yeah like a sword is like what are you doing man
1: well a sword can also be used defensively Mm -hmm. an axe is for chopping something up
2: yes you know i mean it's interesting because you know it's not a knife usually that's usually for a person right but a monster or like monstrous person they have to take it to the next level an axe means business
1: yeah and maybe a sword or a knife feel like things you have to have some sk- things we think of as needing some skill to wield
2: and certainly a sword is kind of old-fashioned so you know if you're making a legend it's not going to be like
1: well he was holding a sword <laughs> it's
2: like yeah maybe if he's the headless horseman but not the bunny man right the, the mr lick over
1: here satyr holding a sword was it just a trailer for diablo 4 <laughs> you were watching? also
2: are the hands cloven because then how is it holding the axe
1: no we remember he's a goat man so i think he does have hands with which to hold his axe now sean i, I didn't read that it, but is i would it assume the top
2: half always a man
1: No, no no his head is definitely a goat head His legs are goat legs. I think he just has the general configuration of a man and I was kind of
2: hoping it was a centaur situation and like the bottom half would be a man and then the top would be a goat and you're like, what happened here?
1: (sighs) Just as a naked, just his man stuff hanging out.
2: I think that would be more intimidating. That
1: would be pretty intimidating. Just
2: running at you with an axe and it's cloven hooves. No, thank you.
1: Well, he doesn't have cloven hooves anymore.
2: He does on the top.
1: Oh no! How does he hold the X? <laughs> exactly. Shot Pressing them real close together.
2: <laughs> it's like Poe, and he's holding a bone to lick it. He does. Anyway, okay. Pope lick monster. Got it.
1: Uh, yeah. So, so that that's kind of that's all of the land-based creatures that I found for this week.
2: Ooh, are there more? Um,
1: now, again, we're going to have to do. I think full episodes on the mothman and the jersey devil for sure um the mothman we, I, I don't think we've mastered our kung fu enough to <laughs> to do it yet and also in
2: these covid times uh, these unprecedented times there's no mothman festival and i think we going to the mothman festival has to be a part of that episode
1: 100 true
2: that's also on my bucket list so you know two birds one stone two moths one stone whatever <laughs>
1: Um, so that stuff that stuff is coming don't worry I'm not leaving those out but but those really are the most interesting land-based um, ones there was uh, i oh boy where was the frogman
2: Now we had frog people remember we, we in yes. our first or second episode um we talked about them along with the melonheads
1: I sure do remember that. Um, there was another frogs frogman story from somewhere else but it was literally less compelling than your frogman story
2: Wow. Well, I was telling it, John. <laughs> um,
1: so there's Also, really-
2: I think the frog was just buying soup at the store. So if it was less compelling than that. Well,
1: exactly. <laughs> this was one was under a bridge and then he waved to a man.
2: Ooh, Pennywise, the frog. So, you know, I,
1: I, I think the tier below this, you get into the true, the melon head section of like, nobody believes this actually happened. There's no credible... There's no report that you could ever call credible. So, so those are your. I think this is the C-team of uh, of North American land-based cryptids. But okay, not all terrors uh, live on land, Caroline. Some what? come from the skies. Huh, shit, that's not where I was going. Oh, now I feel like some I have to go come get some from sky Yes, yes. <laughs> and we'll be back with what lies beneath in a moment. <gasps>
2: You're here, which means you love podcasts, but are you looking for another kind of entertainment on the go? Audible is the leading provider of spoken word entertainment and audiobooks ranging from bestsellers to memoirs, news, business and more. By signing up for a free trial at www.audibletrial.com slash scary, you'll receive access to thousands of titles with one credit toward any audiobook and two Audible originals, free during your trial and then with subscription each month after. Personally, my favorite Audible title is also my favorite book, It by Stephen King. I went into this audiobook ready to judge because I've loved this novel since I was a kid, but between the stellar production value and the truly breathtaking narration performance by actor Steven Weber, I was a hundred percent all in. If you like this podcast and have a strong stomach, I think you will be too. Not into audiobooks? No problem. With podcasts, theatrical performances, guided meditations, and more, Audible offers something for everyone. So what are you waiting for? Get started now. And hey, you'll be helping support the podcast. Visit our link at www.audibletrial.com slash scary for a free trial. That's www.audibletrial.com slash A-I-N-T-I-T-S-C-A-R-Y. Audible. Listen more.
1: Welcome back. To our exploration of the North American cryptid sea team, um, Carrie, what would you say is the most famous water-based cryptid on the planet?
2: On the planet,
1: mm-hmm.
2: Nessie, That's Loch right. Ness monster.
1: The Loch Ness monster.
2: It's over there. I have a sticker of it on my laptop.
1: Oh, of co- yes, of course, <laughs> of course you do. Um, there's the Mothman, and there's the Bigfoot. There's the Bigfoot, yeah. Um, So Nessie might even be better known than the Bigfoot himself. Hmm. She was first reported in 565 A.D. Really? Well, a large creature in the lake was first reported in 565 A.D. Um, Modern interest in Nessie started in 1933 uh, when George Spicer and his wife saw what basically looked like a brontosaurus cross the road in front of their car shit <laughs> they said it was a giant you know a- animal um easily uh, easily 100 feet long uh they had a giant long neck with it a, with a, a little head at the top um
2: you're telling me i have to worry about that like i'm just worried about hitting a deer on the merit
1: i i don't know i don't know they it's just an eyewitness report there was never any evidence that this happened yeah this it's the
2: just... 30s i don't think they had cameras that could probably handle that some something that quick right
1: Well, just the next year, in 1934, um, the picture was taken.
2: Oh, uh, the classic.
1: Yeah. uh, What is called the surgeon's photograph, (laughs) um, because it was taken by Robert Kenneth... It was supposedly taken by Robert Kenneth Wilson. That's the guy who submitted that photo to the newspaper, Mm -hmm. um, who was a gynecologist. And he didn't want his name in the paper um and they weren't Doesn't gonna make
2: him a surgeon
1: and they weren't gonna say gynecologist <laughs> in the newspaper so they just said the surgeon's photograph okay now this photograph was actually taken by marmaduke weatherell stop really uh who was a reporter for the daily mail
2: marmaduke huh.
1: and he did this to get revenge on his employer because they had uh, he, earlier that summer, he had found well. He had been given some Nessie footprints, like, "Hey, look! These are some footprints from the monster that, that couple saw." Uh, and he brought it to his boss and was then publicly ridiculed. Oh, Armaduke. Yeah. So he and his uh, he and it was actually like his nephew's or his son's um, toy submarine <laughs> that they attached little head and fins to. Mm-hmm. Uh, went out and um, and took the pictures just in the in the you know very shallow water. Um, They actually heard a cop coming while they were standing there, and he just crushed that little sub with his foot. He said it's still probably lying at the bottom of the lake.
2: Why was he worried that the cop would find them taking a picture of a tiny toy?
1: Because what if he then recognized, you know, the same scene? Mm. Okay. Anyway, why do I bring up Nessie? This is a North American... North American cryptid sea squad, right? So, um, Nessie's because she's the, sweet, Nessie's the A team, and she's in Scotland. Yeah. But she truly, even more than Bigfoot is the template for land based cryptids, Nessie is the template for the water ones. Mm-hmm. Every lake monster and sea monster uh, that I have heard of bears a strong resemblance to um, the Loch Ness monster.
2: Well, I think that also applies to the fact that we've, isn't it that we've explored less of our oceans and, and seas and, you know, different bodies of water than we have of our galaxy? Like, isn't that a thing? Or we know less about it?
1: Um, well, the galaxy is really, really big, but I think less than the moon or something like that.
2: But it's also, these things you're, you're an right. observable whereas we can see into space and such
1: yes and and you're right the the deepest depths of our oceans are are like just as much of a mystery to us as as space is mm-hmm. and so there could be things down there
2: i i think it would be crazy to assume there isn't mm-hmm Especially in the depths, I mean, they could have easily survived um, what wiped out the dinosaurs.
1: Absolutely, and there are some really big things down there. Up like on, unlike on land, um, with the land-based hominids, it especially, it's pretty, it's pretty tough. Like a, a gorilla the size of Bigfoot, you know, scientists say you would need like four to six thousand of them probably to have a breeding population to maintain the species. And um, at that point, how much food are those Bigfoots eating, and how are they? Where where are they? Right. But but in the ocean,
2: they're in Portland, Sean, they're starting a band.
1: (laughs) Uh, They're shaving mostly.
2: Shaving mostly is a great band.
1: That's actually true. (laughs) Yeah. So all of these lake monsters uh, and other monsters that, you know, inhabit specific bodies of water, uh, they tend to be Nessie types. I guess the problem you get into there is this isn't something from the deep reaches of the ocean then. It's something that lives in a lake that's probably less than a 1,000 feet deep. hmm That's a very deep lake, by the way. We have some very deep lakes in, in these stories. Oh, definitely.
2: There are some lakes that are more like bays and oceans.
1: hmm So first I'm going to tell you about the Bear Lake Monster. The Bear Lake Monster uh, lives on a, a, you know, as you might expect, in Bear Lake. Okay. Which sits on the border of Utah and Idaho. Mm-hmm. This thing was first described by a a Joseph C. Rich in a 19... I wrote 1968, but it's 1868. This thing was first described by Joseph C. Rich, who was a Mormon settler. Mm -hmm. And he wrote about the Bear Lake monster in an 1868 article in the Desiree News as follows. The Indians have a tradition concerning a strange serpent-like creature inhabiting the waters of Bear Lake. Now, it seems this water devil, as the Indians called it, has again made an appearance. A number of our white settlers declare they have seen it with their own eyes. This Bear Lake monster, they now call it, is causing a great deal of excitement up here. The article then went on to describe uh, several local accounts, or recount several locals' accounts of seeing the monster. Um, describing it as a serpent-like creature, 40 to 50 feet long at the minimum, uh, but with 18-inch long legs uh, sticking out of its body along the length of it to uh, trundle along the shore when it had to. Gross. Yeah, and its head was described as being uh, very similar to a cow's.
0: Aww.
1: Or an otter's. huh Or a crocodile's. Ew. Or a walrus's. Huh? Something like that. <laughs> uh, so church elders visiting it at this time because it's all Mormon um, stuff so church elders would come in see how they were doing um, and church elders visiting at the time wrote that they quote had a conversation with the brother Charles C. Rich and other brethren from Bear Lake Valley respecting the monster which have been seen in the lake and they called those claims indisputable huh. these are like uh, big deal big deal Mormons they're not just going to believe any story hmm <sighs> News articles in the Desiree News continued to appear with uh, stories of sightings of the monster uh, over the next couple of years. Brigham Young himself became interested in the monster and sent a very long rope to Paris, Idaho, which also borders Bear Lake, um, with his recommendation that it be used to capture the monster.
2: Thanks, Brigham. What am I going to do with this?
1: hmm well exactly (laughs) i love how it's a very long rope uh one plan to capture the monster involved 300 feet of rope with a big old just hook at the end rigged up to a buoy and they were going to bait the hook and just just leave it there Mm Mm-hmm. guess Uh, that didn't work it didn't and um the monster was just a monster and the sightings uh once again as as happened in those land-based stories faded away but I bet they faded away really quick when Joseph C. Rich stopped writing for the Desiree News, because in 1894, he admitted that whole thing had been a, quote, wonderful first class lie.
2: Joseph.
1: You just made the you're whole thing are a journalist. Yep. Ugh. Uh, despite that, sightings have continued. In 1907, uh, two men claimed the monster destroyed their camp and killed two horses. Oh, And um, there were sightings in 1937 and uh, 1946, and then as recently as 2002. Hmm. So it's funny how it can kind of live on in the imagination uh, so much that that people still see it today.
2: Or it's uh, living in the lake, Sean.
1: Or it's real. Mm -hmm. That's the Bear Lake monster. It seems like every lake in the U.S. has um, its own monster. Yeah, why not? Um, you've got the, uh, actually not even just lakes, the Chesapeake, the Chesapeake Bay monster, Chessie.
2: Chessie. Mm-hmm. Sweet.
1: You also have the Lake Erie monster, who's for some reason named Bessie. All right. And in Lake Tahoe, Tahoe Tessie.
2: So- oh, so we got Chessie, Bessie, Tessie, and Nessie.
1: You do, yeah. And so Sweet. you could, there's a little bit of a, a, you know, naming convention there. Oh, a little. And one of those creatures that we have had a chance to get a little bit more acquainted with ourselves champy yay champ the lake uh, champ the lake champlain monster I love him He has been sighted over 300 times total mm-hmm. the uh, local Abenaki who lived in the region before white men came um, called the creature a g- the What does that mean gittyscog. Um, it was just a name for that, I, I think. I don't have a translation for it. But um, they believed there was a large horned serpent lurking in the lake. But was kind of a, a benevolent spirit, I think.
2: And this is part of their mythology and stuff?
1: The Gidaskog, yeah, apparently.
2: Oh.
1: Um, but it was first mentioned um, that, you know... the. That legend could be connected to the Lake Champlain monster, um, but the monster itself was first mentioned in 1819 in the Plattsburgh Republican, mm-hmm. where, where the reporter said that a quote, Captain Grum, that's the name here, Captain Grum saw a, a 187-foot serpent about 200 yards away. He said it was followed by two large sturgeon and a billfish. Okay. Uh, and he said, now keep in mind, this guy's 200 yards away, so his eyes are great.
2: Well, yeah, he, he knows exactly 187?
1: 187. Yep, 187-foot 187 <laughs> serpent. And he said uh, that it had three teeth, Aww. eyes the color of peeled onions, mm. a belt of red around its neck, mm-hmm. and a white star on its forehead.
2: Aw, it's like Black Beauty.
1: Yes, it's <laughs> just like Black Beauty. Um. So this didn't kick off the um
2: Are they little teeth or all, all very big teeth? I need to know.
1: He didn't elaborate on the size of the teeth, but I bet they if there's only three, they would have to be pretty big.
2: I don't know, it'd be kind of adorable if it's just three little teeth.
1: It would be cute. Like um like a cartoon baby.
2: Mm-hmm. Or a jack-o' lantern.
1: <laughs> um in eighteen seventy three The sheriff at that time, Nathan H. Mooney, uh, saw a sea serpent that was 25 to 30 feet long. And uh, the New York Times published a report of a railroad crew spotting a sea serpent's head poking out of Lake Champlain. Hmm. And, of course, now more reports started to follow. Um,
2: Now, have we said where Lake Champlain is?
1: um, No, perhaps we haven't. Lake Champlain is in Vermont.
2: But it's also it borders on yes, other it, places too, right?
1: Uh, yeah, it sits right on the Vermont New York border um, at the Vermont capital of Burlington.
2: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And at the Burlington capital, you can see their statue of Champ, and yeah. there's also like a like a stone monument to it as well with yep. like an inscription and everything
1: we'll get pictures of that up and oh, a we've picture had of them us up. with Champ
2: we, we've had those up we've, they're oh, uh, a little the further back on our Instagram if you want to scroll
1: <laughs> we'll, we'll get them up on this episode page too mm-hmm um, more reports followed people started coming out of the woodwork to say they had seen this thing and in 1873 uh, P.T. Barnum himself <laughs> took out an ad our old friend P.T. Barnum took out an ad local in the... hero mm-hmm Took out an ad in the Green Mountain Freeman, saying, I hereby offer $50,000 for the hide of the Great Champlain Serpent to add to my Mammoth World's Fair show. Whoa. He's always coming on pretty aggressive, huh? Mm -hmm. In 1887, he took out another ad that said, um, P.T. Bonham believes a huge sea serpent exists and has renewed his offer of $20,000 for the reptile. So he, he knocks the price off by thirty grand in between. You can't say it's
2: renewing.
1: <laughs> if you're PT, PT Bottom, uh you could say whatever the fuck you want. I'd
2: love to renew my, you know, mortgage for two dollars a month, but <laughs> yeah. that doesn't make
1: it true. Um Ciampi, uh today, like like many cryptids, you know, but but even more so uh, than most, these lake monsters a lot of times become uh, sort of local mascots, and uh, Champy in particular is, um, yeah, seen as sort of a brand ambassador for Vermont <laughs> and for Burlington specifically. Uh, there's even a local triple, or a local minor league baseball team, the uh, Vermont Lake Monsters, that mm-hmm. plays in Burlington. Um, so that's just kind of a cute piece of local color at this point.
2: Yeah. I want a Vermont Lake Monsters baseball jersey. Um, Hint. Hint.
1: Okay. Yeah. Okay. All right. You got it. (laughs) Um, He's such a beloved part of the local culture that in 1982, the Vermont House of Representatives passed a resolution stating that Champ may exist, and if he does, he should be protected from harm. The resolution also encouraged scientific inquiry into unusual animals in Lake Champlain.
2: Freaking love Vermont. They're so, like, they don't care.
1: The following year, New York's Senate and House passed a similar resolution.
2: Good for you guys.
1: Absolutely. I think that's a nice ending for Champ.
2: Yeah. Hope we see him someday.
1: Yes. <laughs> Absolutely. Finally, we're going to visit our friends up north in Canada for our last aquatic cryptid.
2: Oh, hi, Canadian friends. Mm
1: hmm. This is. A little guy I like to call the Ogopogo. Aw. And the name's too fun not to, not to get to it. Uh, he lives in Okanagan Lake, supposedly, in British Columbia. Uh, now, this is a pretty big lake. It's 79 miles across. Its maximum depth is 762 feet. Wow. Which makes it just a little more than half the size, the length of uh, Lake Champlain,
2: mm-hmm. but
1: more than twice as deep. Mm-hmm. Um, and maybe because of that depth or um, salt content, I guess, it's only frozen eight times in the last 110 winters. That's surprising. Yeah. And it also makes it a better candidate for hosting all kinds of different life. Sure. Um, so, the local Sequapemic and Silix natives um, talked about a, a being they called Nitaka mm-hmm. in the lake. This was a water spirit that demanded natives sacrifice a small animal Uh, in order to cross the lake safely or in order to guarantee safe passage Mm -hmm. and supposedly there's a local oral tradition passed down of a visiting chief from another tribe named Timbasket who uh, rejected the sacrifice and said there's no spirit got into the canoe with his family and Naitaka whipped up the surface of the lake with his long tail sucked the canoe and the family to the bottom of the lake European settlers uh, understood the word Naitaka to mean uh, water demon. Um, nat- I
2: mean, you hear a story like that, you're like, well, he's not a nice spirit.
1: Right, native, uh, yeah, but, but he was more like a benevolent spirit who just wanted a little vig on the way across the river.
2: I mean, yeah, he's not asking for much. It was a small animal. He's not asking for a bear or something. That's right.
1: Um, the first person to report, the first white person to report seeing anything out of the ordinary mm-hmm. in uh in Okanagan Lake, was Susan Allison in 1872? Now, Susan Allison is a pretty famous person in Canadian history. Um, she's a pretty famous Canadian pioneer because she moved to this valley. She was like the, she and her husband were the first white people to move there in 18. I think it, I think they they decided to move in 1868. Mm-hmm. By 1872, they'd established a home there. Um, and they lived just kind of among natives, established relationships with them, and um, just lived off the land and raised 14 kids and wrote all about their, she wrote all about their experiences. So. Cool. Um, anyway, she was the first person to claim to have seen a large uh, serpent in the water. Ooh. Now, in 1968, a guy named Art Folden was driving on Highway 67 nearby, and he noticed something on the lake, so he pulled closer. And saw what he, see, he said he saw something, quote, large and lifelike. And so he grabbed his video camera. Pretty early for camcorders, so. um, Yeah. Yeah, but he had one. And he captured a video of, a pretty interesting video uh, of of, uh, what appears to be a very large um, animal. Too far away to see the shape very clearly, but clearly moving, clearly alive, and, and apparently pretty large on the surface of the water. Mm-hmm. Um. now National Geographic has a show called Conveniently Is It Real <laughs> and uh, well the, on an episode of that show some researchers put boats in the lake to um, figure out where the shape would have been in the water when the picture was taken like just comparing uh, visually where they were and they figured out where the object would have been and it was a lot closer to the shore than it actually appeared in the photo Mm-hmm. And so any animal that was there would have appeared a lot larger uh, than it was, is at least what they thought. And they, they determined probably a beaver, otter, or fowl that Art Folden got in that. Uh...
2: It was just a, a little beaver that he thought was a monster?
1: Yeah, it was just much closer to the camera than he thought. So it's like a, a trick of perspective, like, um, like a hobbit.
2: Yeah, but if I saw, if I was driving... Mm-hmm. And I looked out onto the shore of a lake. Yep. And I saw Poe sitting near the lake.
1: Mm-hmm. I wouldn't
2: be like, that's a monster. What
1: if Poe was I mean, on a he's little... a
2: little monster, but that's here, neither here nor there. What if
1: he was raised up on a small ridge and it looked like he was sitting in the. Oh, it's a little king. Well, this would be something in the water, though.
2: Still, I don't think. But remember. I don't think I would think it was a sea monster. I would think, look at that tiny dog. A beaver or an otter that's small like an otter
1: right but it's out on, it's, it's a very big lake right think about it when you see think of it more like when we're on the island and you see a boat out near the horizon you can't always tell if that's a big boat really far away or a small boat a little closer
2: yeah but i could tell the difference between a monster and an otter
1: Remember the otter was too far away for him to tell whether for them to tell whether it was an otter or a duck.
2: <laughs> I just don't know <laughs> it was probably a
1: beaver, otter or fowl, but it was something about that size.
2: Okay, sure.
1: Um, this wasn't the last sighting though. In 1980, 50 tourists watched what they thought was the Ogopogo for 45 minutes. And a tourist named uh, Larry Tal saw a shot 10 seconds of 8 mm film. Mm. Obviously, pretty low quality, but um, still compelling. And in 1992, um, some cell phone video—nope, it's 1992—some some some video someone grabbed on their camcorder during a vacation shows a water skier falling next to some dark, just as some dark shapes pass by in the water. Now I'm going to return to my friend Benjamin Radford. Who wrote a whole book about all this stuff? By the way, Lake Monster Mysteries: Investigating the World's Most Elusive Creatures. So specifically, lake monsters. He's uh, something of an expert on. Sure. And he says they're not real. He, um,
2: <laughs> Ben, why you got to do me like that?
1: With the water skiing video, Radford does point out. You can see this video, by the way. We'll we'll show you. We'll show you how to get to it. Radford points out that the shapes um, are bobbing very slowly. And um, they don't seem to react to the water skier falling into the water near them, nor does she react to falling into the water next to um, what would be kind of a monster or something.
2: So what does he think? It was like a buoy or something?
1: Um, well, I'll point, I'll point out there was also cell phone video. Low quality, because it's 2011. But that shows two dark shapes uh, moving and bobbing sort of in the water. Uh, yeah, Radford points out that uh, Canada's logging industry has dropped tens of thousands of logs into Lake Okanagan over the years mm-hmm. uh, that are still bobbing just beneath the surface. Ah. And that is a lot of dark bobbing shapes that tend to get pulled in next to each other and then just, just float around in kind of a train. Mm-hmm. People have also pointed out that a ser- the otters are v- super social, so they swim um, together, and a lot of times they swim in a line. And if you saw several otters' heads, you might think
2: I would cry because that would be so sweet.
1: <laughs> but you might at first think it was the humps of a much larger snake-like creature.
2: If I saw just a few otter heads, I would think it was a sea snake.
1: You might, rabbit. You might. <laughs> My eyesight is not as bad as yours, Sean. <laughs> <laughs> um, th- that's the last. Um. That's the last aquatic cryptid that I have for you because after this, they're all variations on, on that theme. Sure. Like I said, um,
2: big lake dinosaur
1: and the explanations tend to be pretty similar too. Mm-hmm. it's logs, it's otters. Um, sturgeon is the other thing that gets thrown around the most often. Sturgeon are uh, pretty big fish. They can be like five feet long and then maybe water refraction or something can make them look bigger underwater. Mm -hmm. Um, or a couple of them could look like the folds of a big snake thing um so yeah that's uh it's not that interesting to keep picking apart different lake monsters because uh, um, the cases are all pretty similar Mm -hmm. but they are fun and they do seem to even more than the land-based i know we had lizard man uh fook monster whatever (laughs) t-shirts but um the lake monsters really get kind of brought in as part of a city's uh, local folklore and sure. I- identity. And it's fun.
2: Yeah. I like it.
1: I, I like love it. Champ. Yeah, Champ is, he's he's sweet. He's sweet. And he's a great mascot, uh, mm-hmm. even if uh, even if he's fictional. I love anything where
2: a team is named after something like that, whether it's the lake monsters,
1: the New Jersey
2: devils, mm-hmm. which I think is fun. Mm-hmm. I love that.
1: Do you, um, do you buy any of this? Do you find the, do you find the, the sea monsters, well, do you find the lake monsters more believable than the- I
2: find them more compelling, yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, we're always, you know, this is more to the ocean and stuff, but we're always finding new things in water. Mm (laughs) Mm-hmm. Uh, Ancient creatures, sometimes creatures we haven't seen in hundreds or thousands of years that haven't been recorded. I mean, there was just a giant squid a few years ago. Mm -hmm. We thought those didn't really exist. Um, And I also think that something like that has more of a chance of having descended from dinosaurs because... Uh, you know, with the, the meteor and everything that wiped out all the dinosaurs back in the day. Mm -hmm. If you're super deep in the water or something, you may have, um, not been killed by that. Right. So I, I find it, uh, yeah, I find the land or the uh, ocean and sea and lake ones a little more compelling than the, um, than the, the land ones. I mean, we'll see when, when we talk about the, the Bigfoot and the Sasquatch and, and all that stuff. Um, but yeah the goat men are
1: weird (laughs) (laughs) that's the most fun one for me
2: oh yeah we love a pope Lick monster Mm
1: -hmm. but the um all of the lake monsters are what they look like is a plesiosaur
2: yeah there's something kind of
1: which is a dinosaur i don't know if it's a true true i don't know if it's a true dinosaur or not but it's a prehistoric animal that i think is a dinosaur that swam and it it looks like a lapras from pokemon it's right long neck four flippers
2: well the thing about the lake monsters too um is that they're usually described as kind of cute like a lapras or like a little brontosaurus or something yeah. and um they're never usually never like harming people whereas you got friggin goat men with axes coming after people lizard men getting on your car
1: the bear lake monster uh, killed those guys horses
2: I'm talking about like people or like they, they're never pulling down a boat or something, you know, so they're they're definitely like, I don't know, they're just more fun because they, they seem well, well intentioned and good natured,
1: good <laughs> natured a think, benevolent God. I think even in a big lake, you run into the, the same Bigfoot problem of like, how do you how do you support a population of, of big monsters in that lake? Or is it, suppo- is it just one that's lived for uh, hundreds of years?
2: I don't know. Got to go ask them.
1: I don't know. Um, so, yeah, it doesn't work for me, but that doesn't mean it's not fun. It's definitely all fun. For sure. Um, we're going to have a lot of fun with this break, and then we're going to uh, come back with some news. Right, Carrie? Right. Beautiful. From DNA testing to the Dixie Mafia,
2: It's time for crying saucers. <laughs> we'll have a real sound effect for that someday. Someday. Straight out of Texas, a man claiming to be a native of Saturn, the planet, has filed a lawsuit against the U.S. government alleging the violation of his civil rights.
1: This. <laughs> I have to hear.
2: <laughs> Last Friday, Rickia Collings of Allen, Texas, filed a suit in the U.S. District Court for the Eastern District of Texas, claiming that he has been living on this planet since before the formation of the United States, and the federal government has been discriminating against him for centuries, starting, you guessed it, July 4th, 1776.
1: Uh, yes, right, when, <laughs> when, they, when they made a country here.
2: Mm-hmm. The reasoning behind his claims of discrimination are very hard to unravel in his uh, pages-long affidavit. Uh-huh. It might have to do with, quote, rent release or injectment. What? Um, maybe he's saying that he shouldn't owe rent or pay taxes oh because he's he's been living here since before america existed
1: you're all on my land listen he's got a point like it's not like he (laughs) is evicting the rest of us he's not saying we have to get off his land he's just like i shouldn't have to pay taxes i was here first
2: he has a point if he really is an alien from saturn that's been here since before 1776
1: you're right what if he came here from saturn like in 1972 then Mm -mm. he should be paying the rent for sure yeah okay
2: the affidavit he submitted is signed Capricornus God of Sun Rickia <laughs> and names the United Nations and the United Kingdom as co-defendants. So if this case gets anywhere, we'll be sure to update you right here.
1: Is the United Nations making him pay his rent? Genuinely, I have no idea why they're co-defendants. What's his name again? Capricorn? Um,
2: his His human name or his Saturn name? Give me both. Ricky collings is his human name and capricornus god of sun rickia is his saturn name
1: oh he's um he's shed his his family name
2: well maybe he's from the saturn capricornuses who knows
1: <laughs> oh of the saturn capricornuses <laughs>
2: very bougie mm-hmm. so that's really it for this week um so a light news week in terms of the weird which you know what we're just trying to get to the end of this year. That's all we're trying to do.
1: <laughs> and we're almost there. We're truly almost there. And uh, you know what? You guys have helped us get there. So thank 100%. You. Thank um, you. Oh, you know what? We're, we won't. Um, we'll, we'll save all the... We'll give you hugs after the break. Hold on.
2: This podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp. Lots of things are a struggle right now school, work, even something as simple as going to the grocery store, it could feel overwhelming. But one thing that shouldn't be overwhelming is accessing mental and emotional care. That's where BetterHelp comes in. BetterHelp is the leader in online counseling with over 4,000 licensed counselors on the site and over 500,000 people who have gotten counseling to date. The mission of BetterHelp is to make professional counseling accessible, affordable, and convenient. So anyone who struggles with life's challenges can get help anytime, anywhere. I've been using BetterHelp for the better part of this year. And honestly, I don't know how I would have gotten through 2020 without it. And of course, Sean and Poe. When I need to talk to my counselor, I can just text her and I can schedule chats, phone calls, or video calls for longer sessions. This means I have flexibility to set a session during the week or during busy weeks, I can just shoot her a message here and there when I have time. Take control of your mental and emotional well-being. BetterHelp is a great place to start. For 10% off your first month's subscription of BetterHelp, go to our podcast link at www.betterhelp.com slash and see how good it can feel to push past the struggle and find hope in a new day. That's www.betterhelp.com slash for 10% off your first month of BetterHelp. Get professional counseling anytime, anywhere, because you deserve to be happy. That's it for this episode of Ain't It Scary with Sean and Carrie. Like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Ain't It Scary, and check out our website at Ain'tItScary.com. You can support the show by supporting our sponsors and becoming a patron at www.patreon.com slash scary? And please subscribe to the show and throw us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts because we'll be forever grateful.
1: Yeah. Also, just tell friends about the show. Grab their phone and subscribe uh, to <laughs> us for for them. Um,
2: yes. There's nothing like word of mouth for y- sure.
1: Yeah. And while you're at it, come and join Nate Curtis, Sean O'Donnell, uh, and our newest patron, Jared Chamberlain. Um, welcome to the Scary Squad, Jared. And uh, we're really excited to have you on board. Guys, come and uh, and join us. We just got the Discord server up. Mm-hmm. We're dropping a new bonus episode today. We'll be getting those out with some regularity. And we want to start doing some, um, you know, Hellraiser reactions. <laughs> um, All different stuff. Yeah, we're going to do... Um, Carrie's going to do got a podcast she's working on about the Monster Mash. We want to get to you. Um so yeah, just come join us over there. There's lots of fun stuff.
2: Yeah, our mini sodes so far are Typhoid Mary and we're going to be dropping one on the Shroud of Turin and Holy Relics. So that'll be some holiday fun for the season.
1: Oh, it was a blast. Lots of laughs. Get over there with us. You're missing out.
2: Uh spoiler alert, we talk about Jesus's foreskin.
1: Lots of laughs. <laughs>
2: See you next Thursday.
1: Show created by Sean and Carrie McCabe. Music by Kyle Ryan.
2: This has been a production of Longboy Media.
1: On the
0: morning of August 1st, 1966, shots ring out from the observation deck of the clock tower on the University of Texas campus. It marks the infamous beginning of the modern era of mass shootings in America.